Hi, good morning. Good morning. Good to see you guys. Hey, my name is Ann Hansen. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm happy to be with you guys. I'm so happy it's not uh, raining today, right? Because people come to church when it's not raining. Yay. Yay. (laughs) Uh, No, for real. Um, Any dog owners out there? Aren't you so grateful it's not raining? I mean, we've been on like poop watch 2019 since um, all the rains. My dog, Sugar, she becomes such a princess. She will not poop outside, so she just cuts logs all around our house, and it's just not good. So I'm very glad, very glad it's not raining today. I don't have to be on poop watch today. Okay, um, anyway, we're in the uh, middle of a series called Encounters, and um, we're in week five, and we're going through scripture and looking at all these different stories of how one encounter with Jesus changes everything. And I'm excited. I get to preach from Luke 8 today, so if you would turn to your Bibles, if you have them, or you could just look at the screen up there. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation, and it's Luke 8. It's a story within a story, a miracle within a miracle. So it's a tale of two twelves. So I'll start with verse 40. On the other side of the lake, the crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for him. Then a man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying. And as Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds. So this first story in our story of two stories is of Jairus. And here's this man who is a pretty powerful man in the community. He's a leader in the synagogue. Uh, He's a well-respected man, a dignified man, an honorable man. But he's in the worst moment of his life, you know. And this guy, he has studied God's law all of his life. And, you know, he, he knows what God can do for him. But he's in a moment of severe, severe crisis. His only child, a 12-year-old daughter, is dying. And so this man of so much dignity and honor and respect, he throws himself at Jesus' feet and begs Jesus to go with him. And, you know, have you ever been in a position of so much desperation? Yeah, where you've just wanted to throw yourself at Jesus' feet? Yeah, and you just get to a place where you're just, I just need God more than anyone else. Because here's the thing, the crowds, Jesus' ministry has gone public at this point, and so everyone's seeing Jesus do all these miracles. And so he went from one side of the lake to the other side of the lake, and everyone had been waiting for him. All the crowds were waiting to get a piece of Jesus, right? But Jairus is saying, no, no, I I, I know you guys need Jesus, but listen, I need him the most, right? I'm the most desperate because my daughter is at this moment, she is dying right now. So this man of dignity and honor, he throws himself at Jesus' feet. And I just want you to notice what Jesus' response was, that Jesus went with him. He said, okay, I'm going to leave this entire crowd. I know they've been waiting for me all day, but this is important and I'm going to go with you. So my first point in this message is this. Our desperation is met by God's compassion. Amen. 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 Okay, anyway, yes, amen. Our desperation is met by God's compassion. 
Um, I have three kids. I have a Toby, a Noah, and a Shiloh. And um, uh, like four years ago, my oldest son, Toby, he... Um, there was a situation with him where I was actually in, inside the house. I was deep cleaning my daughter's uh, closet. And like little girls, they have all these like little pieces like Barbie boots and, you know, all those things. And I was sweating. I was deep cleaning her closet when I heard this scream. And normally I just ignore screams because any moms out there, you just, that's what you do, guys. Okay. This is like mom 101, ignore the screams. Okay, except for when they're like a different type of scream where your whole body gets chills immediately and it's a different scream than you've ever heard, that kind of scream. And I heard Noah scream, mom! And it's one of those like, Noah doesn't scream that way. And I immediately like, like something was inside of me, like, you know, and I ran straight down the stairs and I ran outside and there's Noah like desperate, mom, mom, mom. Uh, and I'm like, okay, what? I'm here, what? You know, and he said, Toby broke his arm. And I look over and here's Toby. Ah! And um, he had broken his arm. And, you know, I'm a nurse, and so I've seen, you know, broken arms and stuff like that. But it's different when it's your son, okay? And here's Toby with, like, a bone, like, sticking out of his, his arm. And he's like, help me! Ah! You know, and I'm like, okay. Um, Toby, okay, just go with me. We're going to go in the car. I'm going to take you to the hospital. Let me just get my wallet. I'll get my keys, and we're going to just go. We're going to be fine. And uh, I grab my keys, and I start to leave, and my neighbor's like, well, watch your other kids. I'm like, oh, yeah. I have other kids. Okay, that's good. Watch my kids for me. Okay. Uh, And... (laughs) I went to Inland Valley, I believe it was, and they, um, they couldn't help him. They said, no, 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 he's pediatric. He needs surgery right now. We have to call an ambulance. We have to get him to Rady's Children's Hospital. Uh, so we end up going down to Rady's Children's Hospital. He ends up having surgery at 2 in the morning. Uh, I stayed with him. Uh, he, re- he was in recovery like at 4 in the morning. And um, at that point, um, at, at one point, it was like a whirlwind of like Toby for 24 hours, you know? And Toby looked at me, 12 years old, and he's like, Mom, Mom, thank you so much. Now I really know you love me. <laughs> I know. I was like, really? After all this time? 12 years? Okay. <laughs> really? Really? You know, he's like, I do. I really know you love me. I really know you love me. And I'm like, wow. Uh, I, it, just, it just got me, you know? <laughs> like, um, and I feel like with this woman, it's... Jesus didn't cause that situation. There's no way that Jesus, uh, or with Jairus, there's no way that uh, God caused that situation because I do not believe that God causes bad things for us. But he uses those opportunities to show his compassion, right? He uses those opportunities, just like I wouldn't have ever wanted that for my son to have the bone sticking out of his, you know, his arm. But it was an opportunity for me to show him my compassion. And I really believe that our desperation is met by God's compassion. I'm just a mom. I'm, I'm like, I'm a, I'm, I'm a mom. I'm like, okay, right? But I instinctually knew that my son needed compassion. He needed me to act quickly, right? And um, I'm made in God's image, right? Just like you, just like all of you, we're all made in God's image. So that was instinctual for me to jump into action because my son needed me, right? But I think sometimes we 
we forget that we're made in God's image and we make God in our image, right? And we want to think like, no, 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 God is mean. He's busy. He's distant. He doesn't want to hear from me. If I try and come to him right now in my desperation, he's going to reject me. He's going to be harsh with me. He's going to judge me. And we think all these negative things about God because we've made God in our image. But we need to take our cue from Scripture. And Scripture is very clear. Jesus goes with Jairus immediately. Immediately he goes with Jairus. And he, our desperation is always met by God's compassion. Okay, amen? Amen. Okay. Amen. Then our first story of Jairus gets abruptly interrupted by our second story of 12. So I'm going to get back into the scripture, starting from Luke 42. And as Jesus went with Jairus, he was surrounded by the crowds because there's so many people who want a piece of Jesus, right? And a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe, and immediately the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Who touched me? Everyone denied it, and Peter said, Master, Master, the crowd is pressing up against you. Like, Jesus, you're having such a diva moment. Do you realize, like, how many people are pressing up against you, Jesus? Like, really, you're going to ask that question, who touched me, right? But then Jesus says, no, no, someone deliberately touched me. I felt healing power go out from me. I felt healing power go out from me. And here it is, this second story of 12. The first story of 12 being Jairus and his 12-year-old daughter. But here's our second story of 12. Here's a woman who had suffered for 12 years. She bled. She's been bleeding for 12 years. It's like a permanent period for 12 years. Guys. Let's just, like, have a moment of silence for this woman. <laughs> like, 12, really, 12 years of, another, uh, another translation, translation says she was hemorrhaging. So it's not even just like a period, you know, it's like she's been hemorrhaging for 12 years. Wow, this nameless woman, she's being identified by her condition, Right? And this woman, she suffered a lot. And I, I read a lot, and um, these people who are a lot smarter than me, they broke down her suffering. She suffered physically, right? She's been hemorrhaging, bleeding for 12 years. Do you know how anemic she is at this point? How weak, how depleted, right? She is exhausted. She needs, she needs a hamburger, like yesterday, right? <laughs> this is before the days of hamburgers, guys. Okay, so she's... She's suffering physically, but she's also suffering financially. In the same, uh, in the Gospel of Mark, uh, Mark describes that she had depleted all of her resources, all of her finances, uh, paying for doctors that actually couldn't help her, right? So she, uh, the well was gone. It's been dry. All of her finances are gone. She's used them all on doctors that, that couldn't help her, and it actually says she suffered severely under doctor's care, Right? She suffered conjugally. Conjugally. Okay, so <laughs> conjugally as in sexually. She has suffered sexually because if you're, if you're bleeding for 12 years, you're not having normal sex, right? For 12 years, she's suffering conjugally. Uh, at this point, her husband could even divorce her. If she had a husband, he most likely divorced her legally because she could not have normal sexual relations with him. Wow, isn't that horrible? 
right? And then she suffered personally. If you're having a period for 12 years, you're not having any kids, right? You're not having any pregnancy. You're not having any children. So she's suffering personally. She has no family of her own, right? She suffered socially, socially, because back in that day, everything was around celebrations and um, worship in the temple. But because she was bleeding constantly, she um, was called ritually unclean. That meant she couldn't be in the temple. She couldn't be there. So she was literally a social outcast, right? She missed all the the bar mitzvahs, <laughs> the bat mitzvahs, the, uh, the weekly uh, sabbat. You know, she missed everything, right? And in case they actually had a place for the lepers to sit, she could sit with the lepers. That was the only allotment for her, was to sit with the lepers, like way out, right? So she was completely alone. She was without resources, suffering, physically, financially, emotionally, socially, like just in every single way. She, this woman was suffering. She was suffering. But this lady, even in her suffering, she had a belief. She had a belief. She knew, if I could just touch this man's robe, I know I'm going to be healed, right? She's like, if I, I know it. I know it. This is all I have left after 12 years of bleeding. I, but I know if I just touch the hem of his robe, I'm going to be healed. And so she decides to go for it. She breaks the laws to be separated all by herself. She decides to push her way through the crowd. And as she's doing that, she's making everyone unclean. Because if she touches them in those days, she's making every single person unclean, right? But she decides, I'm going to go for it. I'm just going to do it. So she pushes her way through the crowd and pushes her way through the crowd and pushes her way through the crowd. She's probably touched, touched like 100 people. I don't know, 200, 300. I don't even know how many people she touched. But she finally gets to the hem of his robe. And then it says, immediately she was healed, right? She's like, praise the Lord. Okay, I got what I wanted and I'm ready to get out of here, right? So she's just like, ooh, like just trying to get out as, as soon as she can. But then Jesus says, who touched me? Who touched me? Who touched me? Who touched me? Everyone denies it, right? Peter says a snarky remark, but then Jesus says, no, no, someone deliberately touched me. I felt healing power go out from me. Someone touched me deliberately. I felt healing power go out from me. And the woman, she realized that she could not stay hidden, and she began to tremble. Oh, right, she's trembling, and she falls to her knees in front of him. And the whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. And this is my second point today. Our faith attracts the Lord's attention. Amen, right? Our faith attracts the Lord's attention. Do you think Jesus was asking because he really didn't know? You know, he's like, who touched me? Who touched me, right? Who touched me, right? But her her faith att attracted Jesus' attention, right? I'm sure she had no idea why she attracted Jesus' attention. She just thought she was getting in trouble because she knew she just broke all these laws, you know? And so she's freaking out. Uh, I already told you guys I'm not a very good driver, but I was trying to step up my driving game, and I was really trying to, like, get better about, like, paying attention and, like, you know, following all the rules. But, like, six months ago, I got pulled over again, right? I'm like, no, Jesus, please, what did 
should I do now? And I hear, woo, woo. You know, I'm like, oh God, my heart is just pounding. I'm like, I need my license, Jesus, right? Okay, so the guy pulls me over and he's like, how you doing today? I'm like, I'm okay, but why'd you pull me over? Like, what did I do now? He's like, oh, did you know your taillight is out? He's like, yeah, most people don't know. I thought you should know. I'm like, oh, praise the Lord. But see, I thought I had gotten his attention because I did something wrong. Because usually, I mean, that was my MO at this point, right? Like, I only attract attention when I'm in trouble, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> and I'm sure she was thinking the same thing. Like, this woman, she's attracting God's attention because she's in trouble. She's in trouble. But that is not the case. Her faith attracted the Lord's attention. And he called her out, not because he wanted to get information from her, but he wanted to honor her, right? He didn't want to rebuke her. He wanted to elevate her. And he says this to her in verse 48. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Go in peace. And here's my third point. Our deepest needs are met by an even deeper provision. Our deepest needs are met by an even deeper provision. See, this woman, she was so content to just grab her healing, like the, and then just like get out of there, you know, a little drive-by healing, right? She really thought that that, like, that's all I need. Like, I just need the hem. I'm just going to grab the hem, and I'm just going to split, right? But if that, was, if that was really enough for her, Jesus would have let her go, Right? If that were really enough, he would have let her go. But that was not enough. She thought her deepest need was to get her healing. I just need to touch his robe, right? But her deepest need was the healer. You see the difference? She thought she just needed her healing, but she needed the healer. She needed the healer. And this woman who is nameless, you know, we, we still don't know her name, but Jesus took her, and in that moment, he calls her daughter. He takes that moment, he locks eyes with her. He's like, no, it's not enough that you just got your, your healing. You need to be known by me. I need to know you. That's your deepest need is me, Jesus. Jesus is saying, you need to know me. And he calls her out and he says, daughter, daughter. Can you imagine what that felt like to this woman who has no family? She has no children. She has no husband. She has no resources. Can you imagine what it felt like to see this powerful man? The crowds, everybody wants a piece of this man, right? For him to take a moment and say, daughter, daughter. Do you know that there's nowhere else in scripture recorded where Jesus calls anyone else daughter? Isn't that so wild? This woman who had suffered for 12 years, and he stoops down and he calls her daughter daughter, and he gives her her identity. You belong to me. You belong to me. You're mine. You're mine. What does that mean? That means that Jesus is father. Everything that he has is hers, right? Daughter, father, everything I have is yours. You belong to me. I'm yours. You get me. I get you. And then he says, your faith has made you well. At that moment, he affirms her faith. Instead of thinking, like, she thinks she's going to get in trouble, right? She just broke all the rules, right? But he affirms her and says, your faith has made you well. He affirms her act of faith, right? And then he confirms her healing. He says, no, no, no. You are well. 
Your faith has made you well. It's like getting that, that you know, that after going through cancer, and I think I'm, I'm okay, I think I'm okay, but then you get the scans back and the doctor says, no, you are well. Let me confirm that for you. You are well, right? She feels, she feels she's well. She feels the blood has stopped, but he confirms it for her. So he calls her daughter. He affirms her faith. He confirms her healing, and then he commissions her with peace. He's saying, go. Go in peace. You don't have to be anonymous. You don't have to be anxious. You don't have to be outcast. Go in peace. Go in peace. I'm going to share with you like one um, story about my, an encounter that I had with the Lord, but I need to preface it by saying that I'm not crazy, okay? So can, can you just like agree with me that I'm not crazy for the most part? Like, okay? 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 Okay, because I'm being vulnerable by telling you guys this story, okay? Okay, so about five years ago, I... Um, I had just started Freedom Prayer here, and that, that whole year was really, really hard for me. I felt emotionally beat up. I felt criticized, accused. It was a hard time. And at the end, in May, I remember just feeling so wiped out, and I, I just needed to get out of town. And so John's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to send you and, like, your friends um, to, up to Bethel. I'd never been there. It's a church up in Northern California. And he's like, you guys get away, and it'll be a blessing for all of you guys, right? And I thought, this is going to be great. I just need to get out of Marietta, and it's going to be really fun. I just need to get out of here. I feel so beat up. I just need a break. I just need to get out of town, right? And that was, like, my need was, like, I just need to get out of town, right? And so we go up there, and um, we decide we're going to, like, do everything that the church has to offer, right? So we, we're going to go to Friday night service. We're going to go to prophetic appointments. We're going to go to their healing rooms. We're going to go to their Sunday morning services. They have Sunday night services, like every single thing that they have. We're going to hit it, right? Because we're like, oh, we're here. We're, we're in it to win it, right? And um, so on Saturday morning, they have these things called healing rooms, right? And so uh, my friends and I, we decided to go. And um, I don't really have anything to be healed physically except for um, allergies. So uh, I'm like, I'll, I'll go for allergies, right? I still have allergies, by the way. So anyway, I, <laughs> but they give you a piece of paper, and you're supposed to write your issue on the paper, and then you, like, hold your paper in front of you, and that's a sign to the prayer team that you need to be prayed for. So, like, I kept waving my paper, like, come pray for me, anyone, anyone. One hour passed, hour and a half passed, two hours passed. I'm, like, still waiting, like, <laughs> like, like, come pray for me, right? But nobody would pray for me. And I'm like, you know what? It's not a big deal. We're starting to get hungry. It's time for lunch. So I'm like, I, you know, I'm good. I have Claritin. I have Flonase. I'm really okay, right? I, I, I can live like that, right? So I, I, I just asked my friends, like, hey, maybe you guys can just, like, pray for me and, like, let's go. Let's go have lunch, right? So we're like, oh, okay. So they just pray for me. And um, the cra- this is the crazy part, Okay. Okay, so what happened, they just prayed for me, and then I started to laugh, and I started to laugh, and I started to laugh, and it, it got ridiculous, and I laughed and laughed and laughed. Like, my face hurt, um, my, my stomach hurt, my arms, my shoulders hurt, and I laughed for two hours. God, they were with me. Season and Liz were with me. I laughed for two hours straight. It has not happened since. It ha- didn't happen before that, but I laughed for two hours straight. I thought I wanted to get away just to have a little, like, break from Murrieta. And, like, God just... He 
just met me in the deepest way. And I just laughed and laughed for two hours. It's so crazy. It does not make sense. But I feel like the Lord told me, like, I'm paying you back for that entire year of, like, not laughing, you know? And I have never felt so deeply loved by God, you know, deeply, profoundly overtaken by God. I mean, honestly, it was like humiliating. I tried to make myself stop. Um, I, I, I kept going like this, like, you know, like, like, like covering my mouth. I, I went to the bathroom to make myself stop. I, um, I tried to drink water, and as soon as I, thank you. As soon as I finished drinking water, oh, okay, you know me. <laughs> As soon as I stopped drinking water, I started laughing again. It was so ridiculous. I couldn't stop. It was just the power of the Lord. He's like, you need an encounter with me right now that you're not going to be able to explain. You didn't pray for this. You didn't ask for it, but I know exactly what you need. And that filled me, like, to my bones. Like, I had joy, like, down to my bones. Do you know what I mean? I felt so deeply full after laughing for two hours. Um, this guy last night, he's like, I had that too, but for an hour because of shrooms, right? It was good, right? <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, something like that. Okay, right. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> so, but, <laughs> but <laughs> don't do shrooms. <laughs> Just choose Jesus. Okay, so, uh, <laughs> no, no, no shrooms. Okay, so, uh, <laughs> But I felt deeply, deeply loved by the Lord. And I, I believe that there is so much for us. Our deepest need is met by an even deeper provision. You know, more than we know what we need, God knows. And he's going to give it to us. Yeah. But if you're gyrus at this point, you're probably like, your head's probably like off of your body, you know, because he came in such desperation, right? This dignified man, he threw himself at Jesus' feet. And here, here's Jesus just taking his sweet old time with this woman, right? This woman of 12 years bleeding, right? He's just taking his sweet old time and Jairus is like, I guess it's gone. I guess my blessing is gone. I guess she took it. You know, I guess there's nothing left for me. But my fourth point is this, there's always enough for you. That's my fourth point. There's always enough for you. There's always enough for you. In verse 39, he says this, while, he was, while Jesus was still speaking with her, a messenger arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, and he told her, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But when Jesus heard what had happened, he said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith. She will be healed. Don't be afraid. Just have faith. She will be healed. And then when they arrived at the house, Jesus wouldn't let anyone go in with him except for Peter, John, James, and the little girl's father and mother. The house was filled with people weeping and wailing, but he said, stop the weeping. She is not dead. She is only asleep. But the crowd laughed at him because they all knew that she had died. Can you imagine what that kind of laughter sounded like? Like, ooh, that's like gross, right? <laughs> you know, anyway. Um, anyway, okay. So uh, in verse 54, then Jesus took the little girl by the hand and he said in a loud voice, my child, get up. My child, get up. 
And at that moment, her life returned and she immediately stood up. Immediately, just like the, the bleeding immediately stopped, this girl immediately stood up. And then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Isn't, isn't Jesus so practical? I love that. Give, now, she needs to eat something right now, guys. Okay, her parents were overwhelmed, but Jesus insisted that they not tell anyone what had happened. There's always enough for you. There's always enough for you. I believe that Jesus was confronting poverty in both Jairus and the woman with the issue of blood, right? Yeah, he was confronting it and saying, you know what, there's, there's enough for you. There's more than enough, you know? And if you're Jairus and you're sitting there going, time ran out. Time ran out. My messenger told me, don't bother him now. She's dead. Don't bother him now. And he's thinking, oh my gosh, it's gone. The lady stole my blessing. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. You just wanted a healing, but I'm going to give you a resurrection. Right? I'm going to give you more than you could ever even ask me for. There's always enough for you. There's more than enough for you. The woman, she just wanted her little drive-by healing, but he's like, no, no, no. You don't just get your healing. You get the healer. You get me. You get to know that I'm your father. You're my daughter. There's so much more for us. There's always enough. There's always enough for you and for me. You know, when I, when I came to know the Lord, I honestly just wanted to not go to hell. Anyone like me, right? I mean, I grew up in the day where like the left behind, all that stuff, and like, I swear, I just, I just didn't want to go to hell. I'm like, please, Jesus, just like save me from hell. I just don't want to go to hell. Please, Jesus, just save me from hell. I had no idea that he was going to fill me up. His love would heal me. That he would be the lover of my soul, my best friend, the one who knows me from the inside out, my healer, my father, my everything, my hope. And I believe that that's what the Lord is offering us today. Would you pray with me? I believe that there's some people here, you have never said yes to Jesus, and you're saying, I want that today. I want him to fill me like that. I want him to know me. I want him to heal me. I want him to restore me. I want him to forgive me of all my sins. I've made mess of my life. If you are here and you want to say yes to Jesus, I want you to raise your hand right now. If there's anyone here, you want to just say yes to his, his forgiveness, his healing power in your life. I want you to just raise your hand right now and say yes, yes, Lord. I've screwed it up, but I need you right now. I see you. Thank you. I'm going to just ask you to pray with me. Yeah. Jesus, I love you. I need you. There's no one like you. I invite you to come into my life. Make me new. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Save me. Restore me. Do what you want with me, Jesus. Your ways are better. Your ways are higher. Your plans are perfect. I say yes to you, Lord. And for others of you that are here and you're in a desperate spot and you're saying, God, I want that experience in my life where my desperation is met by your compassion. 
I believe that God is saying, yes, yes, I'm better than you think. I'm better than you think. I love you more deeply than you could ever know. My plans for you uh, overwhelm your plans for your own life. Yeah. Just put your hand out to trust him. I feel like just the Lord is saying like, just, just say yes to me today and watch how I will take over. Watch how I will transform your life. It just takes one encounter with him for everything to change. And he's saying he wants to encounter you today. Jesus, meet my friends here today, my brothers and my sisters. Come to the darkest places, the deepest places, and make us whole, make us new. Thank you that your love is perfect. Your love is enough. You want more for us than just healing, God. You want us to give us yourself. Thank you, God. We say yes to you, Jesus. You are better than we could ever think. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.